Hello, I'm Richard Ayres. I was the bid lead uh, and the pre-construction lead, and then I took up an operational role on the MetD project. Uh, in total, I've been involved in it for almost seven years. Uh, and with me, I've got Jason Miller, who's the project director from NG Bailey, who are our MEP partner on the scheme. And I've got Steve Furness, who's a director for AMI, who did the secondary steelwork and the architectural steelwork on the project for us. So just to kick us off then, guys, um, the slot today is around collaboration with supply chain. I think the best thing to do is probably go back to the very start. So we'll start with you, Jason, if that's okay. okay. Um, what do you think about the process that we went through to engage with you and the timing that we engage with you to uh, set the job up right and make sure that we got the best out of uh, our early engagement together to, to make sure that the project was a success? Yeah, yeah well, just after I think you was uh, brought on by the university, you came out to key packages and MEP being one of those. And um, we went through an interview process and a, a tendering process on um, on the prelims and the overhead and profit. We agreed that we were successful through the interview. Um, one of the things that stood out to me in the early engagement was everybody in the project, from from client um, to Balfour's and to the designers, all in great embraced offsite manufacture. So one of the first things that we did, we looked at how we were going to build the building to accommodate the offsite, but in a collaborative way. So we were looking at what wall dimensions and build sequences to allow us to put the offsite in. So that was quite rewarding because sometimes you don't always get that collaboration and engagement. Yeah. Um, and, and, and probably before that or, or with that, we the first meaningful document we put together was, it was the commissioning plan and sequence and program and to enable us to understand how we're going to build the project, to enable us to hand it over at the end. And I look back, well, I look back quite a bit, but when I was looking back recently on that, and the plan we put together just after the PCSA started on the commissioning, we actually stuck to, we built to, and and that informed a lot of decisions on the programme and the offsite and the loading out strategies. So. I thought that was, that was beneficial, Richard, on the, in yeah. the engagement. And what, what do you think that we did as a team? What stood out to you um, as things that really helped us to maximise and embrace that off-site strategies? Was there any anything in particular that Balfour Beatty offered in terms of the early dialogue that we had or anything that we did to enable that to be a big success for you? Um, I think a few things in that. I think we established the sequence of the build and the build sequence early, so we knew how we were going to construct each of the areas in the building. Um, we, we also looked at complicated areas we could tackle first, so we could put more effort into that. And we also, with regard to building with offsite in mind, you need to understand that we've got to get it in the building to suit the sequence of the building. So the process helped there, but what we what we were able to do because we'd got an established sequence, we built the offsite in advance so we could store it offsite, as in offsite local to the project, so we could bring it in to suit the the openings in 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 the building. And I think that I think that worked particularly well. And also, when I, I look back at the Upper Brook Street basement, and we we made um, well we made an informed decision really, but we we de we decided we were going to bring the basement offsite. Um, equipment for Upper Brook Street 
two years before we actually started building the building above it. So we'd, we left out areas in the concrete to allow us to uh, position that. And then we left that in storage in the basement until we needed it to build. So yeah. that, that, that's unusual really to, to yeah. do it that way. Um, Steve, I remember getting in touch with you as well right at the very start of the process just to validate some of the, the balustrade designs and some of the secondary steelwork sections. Um, what, what particular benefits do you see that you were able to bring to this project as a result of us getting in touch with you so early on? I think getting involved at such an early stage, I think probably around about 18 months before Balfour's actually started on site, uh, you, you know, gave us the opportunity to have input in design. Uh, one of the key things with that were the uh, size of the stringers, uh, some of them 15 and a half metres in length. So there was the uh, logistics to take into account, you know, how we we're going to get them into the building. And then obviously in confined areas, you know, how we we're going to lift them up into position. So uh, we sort of engaged with uh, a local crane company, GGR Group, got them out to site uh, uh, as, as soon as the opportunity arose, get them to do some surveys with us, you know, where we could position cranes, etc. Uh, but just rewinding a little bit, going back to the stringers, uh, the section sizes that had been sort of specified, uh, they wasn't readily available. So we looked, to, we went to our engineers and our designers, and we looked to VE, uh, you know, saving some money that could be passed on. Uh, and I think that proved uh, beneficial, you know, to all parties really. Yeah. Uh, same with the uh, with the balustrade, uh, we uh, submitted numerous samples, so we got to uh, you know kind of product that the uh, client and the architect was happy with yeah uh, but the benefits of that you know being uh, was being involved at such an early stage yeah like I say 18 months before you know work actually commenced it was really important to our customer um, as we managed that PCSA process to to show the value and to, to look for those genuine value engineering savings so that they could uh, to meet the budget requirements and, and, and Jason you and your team were heavily influential in helping us to to drive value into the scheme and, and to keep the keep a lid on the costs and make sure that the, the scheme was still viable for our, our customer. Um, is there anything that you would say that went particularly well around that process? Um, I think getting involved early and understanding the budget and the, and the budget constraints helped challenge us to come up with the VE or an, uh, come up with a good level of VE for agreement of the client. But it weren't just about suggestion of um, adding value or, or value engineering. It was about doing that at the right time with the right people, not only with yourself, Richard, but it were with you know the end users. Yep. And I think the early the early engagement through the PCSA really got the best out of that. Yep. And because we did the agreement of the engineering early, it allowed us to build it into the build it into the BIM model and build it into the design as we progress, yeah. opposed to doing a design and starting again. Yeah. So the whole process seemed to flow well. And then sort of flowing quite nicely on from that, having the pre-construction phase, it's almost like a dress rehearsal for the build, isn't it? Mm. Um, so using the BIM model, were there anything, any in particular areas that you you got the opportunity to, to scope out and understand the difficulties or, or focus on during that pre-construction phase to make absolutely sure that when it came to the construction of that particular area, we were, we were ahead of uh, some of the, the key challenges that we were potentially going to face? I think a couple of things stand out there. Um, the, the basements in both uh, Meg Hall and in Upper Brook Street are quite complicated. 
we've had many people walk around and they think it's like a nuclear submarine, the amount of services under there when you look up. Um, but we established early, I think, as a team that they were the areas to hit and we should get in there first because of the complexities in there and the time needed. And whilst we got that helped inform the programme to allow us to get in there early, to build it out earlier, to start the build phase sequences in there. So the basements, because we'd done the detail and the modelling and agreed the scope through the PCSA, that certainly helped us inform the programme to do the more complicated areas first. And don't know if it's quite, quite relevant or not, but it, it always makes me smile this. When we were looking at dropping the off-site rising, we have risers for the electrical services and for the mechanical services throughout all the cores in Meg Hall. Um, uh, Richard, you guys, were you, were you were procuring the cranes and I remember speaking to Alan and uh, he, he asked us what size of the modules going to be going down the risers so you could get the right size crane to allow us to lift the modules down the risers and that sounds so simple but you, you'd be surprised how many people won't think of that so have you ever been asked that before by a, a main contractor no, at that stage? No, no. And what we, normally happens? Well, you normally end up adapting your, your, your module to fit in the space you're given, opposed yeah. to putting the, the optimum size modules down the risers. Yeah. And, and then I think, and then MI, AMI then, once we put them down the riser, I think they've got some follow-on work to do, what allowed us to do the work yeah. earlier. Yeah. So just, um, I can think of a particularly challenging component of work, the great big staircases that wind up just outside this room, yeah, actually. Yeah. Um, what benefit of, do you see of the early dialogue and discussions we had around the, the challenges of that installation, do you think were, were realised then on site? Yeah, I, th I think purely the uh, logistical aspects of it, uh, by, by you know having them discussions at an early stage, uh, knowing that what, what we were dealing with, and uh, again, just picking up on what Jason says, you know, I think that's kind of unique amongst con uh, main contractors, you know, that Balfour do sort of plan them things way in advance, uh, what you'd probably come to expect as a subcontractor, you know, you know, on some of the bigger sites. So, yeah, I, th I think they're sort of at the forefront with stuff like that. Uh, so all that pre-planning, it just made the installation go a lot easier, a lot smoother and, uh, yeah, than, than what can sometimes occur. Yeah, and how does that make you feel as a director of a company who's sort of on the line to get these things right with us? Uh, to be honest, I, th I don't. I think the seconds and on Balfour's, you know, as a company to work for, uh, uh, given given a choice, you, you know, they'd be uh, our chosen main contractor. You know, uh, throughout, I think there's uh, all the way from the top, all the way down through the subcontracts and supply chain. It feels like you're part of a team. Yeah. Whereas you don't always get that. So, uh, yeah. you know, that's something where I think Balfour's are unique. It's quite nice. I can think of um, possibly less work related um, things that we've all done together. So I, I make reference to some of the golf days that we've run. Um, we've raised over £15,000 for a local homelessness yeah, charity yeah. in the golf days. And uh, we were talking earlier, Jason, about the fact that whenever we've gone to those or some of our Christmas dues, you, you have just felt, I don't want to put words in your mouth, but you know, like it is a genuine team as opposed to a them and us feeling. I don't know if you want to just pick yeah, up on yeah. that. Yeah, well, you, I think once you've been in, involved in a job from the PCSA stage to the, to the construction handover, it is you're part of a family really delivering it. And you know, you don't look at having a, 
a Magdeed Christmas do or a, a, an Embassy Golf Day. It's just you're going out with the, the people you're working with, uh, you know, to deliver a project, and you build those relationships over so many years. It, you, know, it, you it just becomes second nature, and, and you want to enjoy the project and enjoy the social element. And we, we've certainly done that, Richard. Yeah, especially my longest drive. There's another story there. Another good example um, I can think of of the the collaborative approach was the the response to the COVID pandemic Mm. on site. Um, Do you want to just give your views of of that? There was a few weeks when we sort of went towards the back end of March last year. Yeah. Well, we're in in new territory, I think, with COVID or, or with the pandemic. No one knew what to expect. Um, I think Boris you know, gave us a message that we continue, construction continued, and I think the MECD site, um, led by Balfour's, embraced that. Um, and many measures were put in place by yourselves, uh, making sure we'd got the welfare right, the segregation right. And, you know what I mean? And then we, you know, we, when, we were, when the COVID uh, pandemic hit, we were, we were under, we were working on lots of areas under, under a lot of pressure at the time. Yeah. But we we pulled together really because we took resource off areas what um, we needed to be in to make sure we got welfare facilities and toilets across the site and washing hand facilities um, and connecting temporary cabins up and things like that because I think we just pulled together to keep the site going. Yeah. People, you know, the people on here wanted to work. We, we, yeah. I mean, we wanted to keep the site going and yeah. deliver what we have done. But yeah, I think. And, and, you know, we say we pulled together, I think we just got on with it, and maybe that's, yeah, it's good, it's collaborative, but it's, it's what you do when you need to do it, isn't it? It, it really stands out to me because um, it's very easy for everybody to point fingers in a situation where nobody knows what's going to happen, particularly with the commercial aspect of it all. Mm. Um, and on this project, I, I was really pleased with the way that uh, Bailey's just threw themselves at some of those key challenges with us. So yes, we went and cleared areas and managed to get all the spacing out achieved with the desks, the welfare, but all of that welfare needed plumbing up and it all needed toilets and hand washing facilities. And uh, I was really pleased with the way that you well, we guys the, embraced that challenge. Early, we got the Wi-Fi working, we yep. got the power to the desks. Yeah. It would just accelerate in certain parts of the programme to let us work on site in a safe way. Another good example of collaboration with multiple parties was the, the way that we attacked the, the riser floors, which are quite typically a large health and safety risk on a project. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and I think the dialogue between AMI and NG Bailey on that was, was really strong. Steve, do you just want to give a flavour of, of what we did and the process that we went through to make sure that we prevented fall risks in, yeah, in the so, risers? Yeah, sure. So say it same again, it was about them early meetings, getting us all round the table, uh, discussing parameters that we were going to work to. Uh, and what that does, it, it avoids secondary work, secondary revisits on site, you know, having to move things, having to add uh, additional trimmers. So by, by us working from uh, Bailey's drawings, overlaying on Bailey's drawings, we can ensure then that these trimmers where they need to be. Uh, and it's just a simple procedure then for Bailey's to follow on the other cutouts as required. And uh, I think it has been quite successful. I think it ran pretty smoothly. You know, from all parties, really. And have you seen examples of it done differently to that? Almost, you you'd described what good looks like there. What what does bad look like when you've seen it in the uh, past? Bad luck is uh, two weeks later you're going back to it. Another two weeks after that you're going back to it again. Uh, it just, to me, there isn't any other way for it to work. 
it has to be done like that. Yeah. Uh, the uh, the first project, and uh, was was it Sheffield Cavendish? And I think ba- Bailey's was uh, yeah. We sort of worked hand in hand with Bailey's on that one. It ran again, ran uh, extremely well. So uh, you know, we we spoke to Balfour's about his approach on, on Cavendish Sheffield, and uh, you know, Balfour's embraced that idea. Yeah. Uh, got us all round the table, and uh, like I say, paid dividends in the end because. Uh, it uh, ran extremely smoothly. I think I think something as well, and it's small things sometimes. We use the same steelwork designer to do the work, and you might think that sounds so obvious, but it doesn't always happen. Yeah. Yeah. So that just, whilst you're passing drawings around between companies and through Balfour's for approval, yeah, the f- key principles were set out. Yeah. With with the same firm, but yeah. as a collective, so that it's small Makes things. The, isn't it? the chain more efficient, yeah. doesn't it? So we, we touched on that from a safety point of view. Um, can you think of any examples where we've collectively addressed safety together and things that stand out for you, Jason, um, around our, our collective approach to keeping everybody safe when they come come to Met Day? Yeah, there's. I think I think each each day we you lead and we support the. Um, the, the briefings with all the new operatives who come to site. So it's not a, a Balfour BT briefing, it's a site briefing. Um, we help re induct people, whichever trade they be, with together. And, and equally, if your lead's not there and ours is there, we'll take the lead in that briefing. We don't see it, we just see it as important. We've done, we've done some joint uh, presentations to the workforce. Um, at one point, just before the uh, pandemic, we've got about 1,200 operatives on site, which is a big, big number, but we did some joint addressing on there. And, and also, I think we, we've got an app, uh, Don't Walk By app, and you've got a Zero Harm app. And very early on, we wanted to work on the same platform, so we integrated those, so we weren't dual reporting. So that, that helped feed into understanding what was going on around the site. So that's been useful to understand safety on the site and data on the site and help lessons learned, so we're doing the right things to keep the workforce safe. 